0: Good morning, and welcome back to Word, here and there, Inspirational Plus. I am Carolyn, your podcast host. Just do it. Anyone, then, who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. James 4, verse 17. There is no such thing as a spiritual gift of justification. Sin is sin. When you know something is wrong you do it anyway, sin, plain and simple. You can give a hundred reasons as to why you did it or how other people can do it and it's okay. But if God has told you in your heart that this is not right for you, then don't do it. It also works the other way. When you know things you should do, but you refuse to do them, sin. Living a life of obedience to God means obeying all the information we have. So when you stumble, confess, repent, and move on. Don't fight the process by justifying your actions. You'll never make any progress that way. Learn and grow. Our inspiration for this morning, Sunday, a day to refuel your soul and be grateful for your blessings. So, take a deep breath and enjoy your family and friends. Our story today, When Shrinking Violets Bloom. As a child, I was very shy. I grew up in a strict environment where children should be seen and not heard. When I did open my mouth, I usually ended up putting the proverbial foot in it. Any attempt at repeating a joke would fall flat or I'd blurt out something stupid and be teased or reprimanded. Eventually, I learned to stay silent until spoken to first. I was okay with close friends or family, but new situations and unknown environments would render me mute. Public speaking would leave me with stage fright, paralyzing fear, or an embarrassing stutter. The problem got worse as I got older. Though I enjoyed going out, it was always in a group. I relied on my friends to break the ice when meeting new people. In fact, I met my husband Don through a third party. Our relationship, subsequent marriage, and the huge network of people he knew, or was related to, led to constant social interactions, something that I was deplorable bad at. I became overwhelmed. I was used to a quiet, aloof family that rarely had company. We had no relatives close by. My husband, however, had five sisters, a brother, and more relatives than I could count. Meeting them all and trying to keep track of their names, let alone trying to make conversation, was mind-numbing. My timidly perverted me from appearing friendly and I know I didn't make a good first impression. The same held true when we started going to gatherings. If we were attending a party, I would become pathetically needy, stressing repeatedly before we even arrived that Don stay by my side throughout the entire function. If he so much as made a trip to the bathroom, or went to refresh a drink, he wouldn't hear the end of it during the ride home. My husband is a very laid back with the patience of a sloth, setting out on a thousand mile journey. At first, he was very understanding about my insecurity. In fact, he seemed to find it enduring Eventually, though, he started declining invitations for get-togethers, assuring me he'd rather stay home and watch television. I realized he wasn't being truthful, and my behavior was the problem. I wanted to change it, but how? I began to read self-help articles, looking for ways to overcome my debilitating shyness. Nothing I read seemed to apply to me. The conversation started seemed completely out of my comfort zone. I knew nothing about politics, world events, or rocket science, and who on earth could possibly be interested in my robotic, boring, packing job in the factory? If anything, the more I read, the dumber and duller I felt. My confidence level plummeted further south than even demons dared to venture. Trying to validate my self-worth in a mirror simply made me feel ridiculous and in need of a diet if the mirror was full length. Silly as I felt, I compromised and tried anyway, but after speaking to my reflection for only a few minutes, I snapped my compact, shut in frustration. How could I possibly convince total strangers that I was an interesting captivating conversationalist if I couldn't even convince myself. I tossed the useless magazine aside and continued to agonize. I knew that I couldn't spend the rest of my life hiding at home in my prison of self-imposed terror. I had to change, and I vowed to do so at the next event we attended, which just happened to be my husband's company picnic the following week. I had no idea how I was going to break past my barrier of silence, but I swore I would not leave that party without trying to speak to at least one person. When we arrived that Saturday morning, there was already more than eight people there. After introductions, we were made to people whose names I mumbled and quickly forgot. I felt that familiar dryness fill my mouth. My dear-in-the-headlights expression was my husband's cue to drag me away. Why don't we go get ourselves a soda, honey? He invited for what was probably the hundredth time since we met. This time his voice didn't have that understanding ring to it. His resigned tone gave me the resolve I needed to put the social destructive monster inside me away, once and for all. I took a deep breath. I'll get it, I replied. You stay here with your friends, ignoring his shocked expression. I trotted away before I could change my mind, make my way to the refreshment table at the end of the field. As I reached into a cooler filled with ice and soft drinks, I spotted a woman sitting by herself at a picnic table watching the crowds mingle. I was instantly filled with empathy as I took in her rigidly defensive body language. Her knees were clamped together, her back ramrod straight, lips drawn tightly caused a nervous tick to flutter on my cheek. White knuckle fingers clutched the purse in her lap like a protective shield. I surprised even myself when I didn't hesitate to go grab an extra soda and walk over to sit next to her. Hi, I'm Marja, I stammered, pushing that cola toward her. I couldn't help admiring your pretty blouse and wondering where you bought it. I had no idea why I asked that since I hadn't even noticed her clothing but I could see her shoulders visibly relax as she named a popular store. Then she told me her name was Violet. You look like Violet, I confessed, and if you'd like to be anywhere but here, I never know what to say at these things. You too, she replied incredulously, and surprised me by instantly launching into a monologue of how she had no choice but to attend since she was the company director's private secretary. She explained how difficult it was for her to socialize and meet strangers. Before I knew it, we were deep in discussion. It was only when we heard a throat clear behind us and turned to see my husband, and we stopped talking. About that soda, honey, he grinned teasingly, but I could see the pride in his eyes that I was finally attending a function without being glued to his side. I pushed the now warm drink toward him, and continued the conversation while he wandered off to mingle without me. I don't know about Violet, but that was the last time I ever shilled away from getting to know people. The discovery that a simple, interesting, quiet compliment or common interest will prompt most people to talk about themselves, allowed me to break through my self-imposed tradition of shyness. I now eagerly embraced the opportunity to attend any event we're invited to. I still tell jokes that fall flat, and I brought out things that can cause an uncomfortable silence. But then, who doesn't? I'm only human. But now, I'm a sociable one. This is Carolyn, with word here and there, inspirational plus. Enjoy your Sunday, and have a great day.